If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything and everything they like, Just Not Sports. On today's show, we will talk to professional golfer Natalie Gulbus about what it's like what it's like to spend a lifetime on the road. And we'll also open the archives to break down some serious game film on the all-time greatest sports team anthem, Super Bowl Shuffle by the 1985 Chicago Bears. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. Joining me in the studio is a guy best described as a rookie who is large, but no dumb cookie. It's Adam Willard. What? (laughs) The fridge. Come on. Nothing? Sorry. I just can't wait to see what my intro is. I can't I didn't analyze the lyrics as well as I should. I didn't do my homework as well as I it's should. It's Super Bowl week. We're all a little tired. It's We're all a little exhausted. Night. It's fine. All right. So also joining us, a sports producer who practices all day and dances all night because he's got to get ready for a Sunday flight. It's Gareth Hughes. Uh, who is that? Who gave that line? <laughs> That's Willie. Fast Willie, right? <laughs> Let me break out these lyrics. <laughs> no, yeah, no. We'll get to right. it. We'll get to it. Yeah, Finally, yeah. Uh, also with us in studio, a producer who is one of a kind, and the ladies all love him for his body and his mind. It's Mr. Joe Reed. Joe, what do you have to say? And nothing. My name is I thought Joe, Joe Reed's new. I'm pretty slow. I thought his New Year's resolution was to talk more. This is not going well. We all did 2016 complete failure. Uh, all right, people who are talking, we love when listeners interact with us on our iTunes page. We call them the beautiful, unique Sparkle Ponies. In the word of Chris Cluey, Renaissance man, and the man who provides the anthem for this show at the top of every episode. So thank you to for, to everyone, all the Sparkle Ponies who are subscribing and engaging with us on iTunes. Want to give a special shout out to our iTunes comment of the week. Adam, you want to throw up the theme song for that? Dun, 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 dun. Gold record. Watch out, 85 Bears. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Better than you, Joe. Quit looking at me like that. <laughs> Speaking of Adam, the reason I asked, Sports Junkie 124 says they enjoy the sweet sounds of Adam. So, Adam, what do you enjoy about Sports Junkie 124? Uh, well, it was me. So <laughs> it was you. This is awkward. Okay, a couple things I want to unpack here. A couple things I want to unpack here. I didn't know that, clearly. Okay. Number two, uh, I enjoy the name Sports Junkie 124 because clearly Sports Junkie 123, taken. Well, I didn't want to be too obvious. Yeah. Okay, I didn't want to be too obvious. I could have just gone along with this. And instead, I confess to us making comments our own. I. Sparkle Ponies, if you're listening, I will make amends. We'll get a new, fresh comment next week, and I'll make sure none of these clowns are the ones who left it. I felt guilty about it. I just had to come clean. Well, you could have just said you liked the show, but instead you said you liked the sweet sounds of Adam. Yeah. Right. I probably should have just played along with this. Gareth, 
Any thoughts here? It was either I, I based off the comment itself, I figured that was either Adam or my wife making that comment. Well, that's weird too. <laughs> no, she she's gone on no, record as saying on she record. likes the sweet sounds of Adam. So we all do. We all do. All right. Well, Sparkle Ponies, thank you for your comments. Thank you for subscribing, Adam. Shame. shame. All right. So on this show, speaking of shame, on this show, we don't just invite people on. We publicly shame them to join us. It's the time when we slam the hammer on a few unsuspecting souls in the sports world who have, unfortunately for them, expressed an interest in something, a like, a passion, on anything, and are now obligated to join us on it. So, Gareth. You got a hammer. Who are you going to slam it to? All right. Mine is a little random, but I can't help but do it. Uh, We're still coming out of some Star Wars fever here, and I'm a guy named Gareth. Uh, So there's a Welsh. Go to your YouTubes and look up Gareth Edwards and the greatest try in rugby history. And Gareth Edwards is the guy who did it. Gareth Edwards is also the name of the guy that directed Godzilla and will be directing one of the upcoming Star Wars movies. So I would like to either get Gareth Edwards, the rugby player, on to talk about Gareth Edwards' sci-fi movies or Gareth Edwards, the movie director, in Opposite Day to give us a breakdown of Gareth Edwards' rugby career. Did Gareth Edwards, the rugby player, die? Pretty sure he's still alive. I was I was doing some research on this. I think he is an announcer, probably in Wales. Okay, there was a famous rugby player who just passed away. He was from New Zealand, and I had seen videos circulating that were like the greatest, the greatest try ever for right. him. So I was like, I was like, here yeah, we no, go again. Gareth Edwards <laughs> is sixty-eight years old, living in Wales, uh, or you know. Uh, somewhere around there. So he look it up. If you talk to somebody from the uh, British Isles and mention to them Gareth Edwards from that era and just say Gareth Edwards, the greatest try. Oh, wow. Yes, that. So nice. nice. That is For my a second hammer. Thought... It's a little random, but I want to keep following up on this, man. I want one or the other of these to happen. That's fair. That's fair. For a second, I thought we had Adam doing his own comments of the week, and we had Gareth inviting a dead guy on the show. But hey, you know what? I'm glad we rebounded. Well, on at least one, one for of those. two. Hey, yeah, one, one for, for two. two. All right, Adam. You got not the hook. first time I would have invited a dead guy on the show. <laughs> True, Chuck Connors. Chuck Connors. Uh, Adam, still waiting to hear back. Joe is not, Joe's monitoring the phones constantly. Adam, who are you going to slam the hammer to? <laughs> uh, I I would like to have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on. All right. Worked uh, with Kareem, well, nice gentleman. Yeah, so, I've also worked with Kareem. Very nice guy. Great. I didn't ask about your relationship <laughs> with him either, of you guys. I'd like to finish my hammer without interruption, if I could. Okay. Um. So <laughs> Kareem, uh, famous activist, uh, also wrote a really good book, and by that I mean pretty basic book with, with some good stories called Black Profiles and Courage. Um, but I don't want to talk to him about any of that. He is also he is the all time leader in earnings for Celebrity Jeopardy. I want really, to, yeah. huh. uh, according to Wikipedia, as of two years ago, that was the case. I don't, I've not followed Celebrity Jeopardy close enough. Yeah, to know if Wikipedia to know if that has changed. But he was at one time the all time winningness celebrity. Jeopardy champion, and I want to know how 
what his process is like. Uh, is it just general knowledge and great recall, or if he actually has a strategy like Rosie Perez's character in White Men Can't Jump? Well, I think that's a great invite. I like how instead of going with his iconic role in Airplane and his and or his iconic martial arts scene in Game of Death, Game of Death, we've chosen Celebrity Jeopardy. But you know what? I'm into it. Let's do it, Kareem. We know you're listening. You've got Joe's number. Uh, I'm oh, gonna go hold with... on a second. I would like to say before we move on, it is Super Bowl week. It is Super Bowl Fifty week. We have already documented on the show that we are all working on the Super Bowl. I think it is important to note that it is Super Bowl Fifty week, and our hammers are to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar about Celebrity Jeopardy and two random. British guys about either rugby or Star Wars movies. Well, Gareth, that's uh, a good point. So clearly we're getting into Super Bowl fever. It's it's a good point, and I'm going to bring it all back around when I invite WNBA player Courtney Vandersloot <laughs> onto the show. <laughs> who on, on Christmas, according to her Twitter feed, I was scrolling back, uh, she had tweeted on Christmas that all day she was going to listen to Justin Bieber's Under the Mistletoe album. So... Courtney, I know you're playing overseas. When you get back to Chicago, we want you to come into the studio. We want, we want to talk Beeves. I want to talk the new singles. I want to talk the tattoos. And I want to talk the Christmas album. It's happening. And if we have time, Super Bowl 50, that's also a thing that's happening at some point in the near future, too. So anyway, as Spark now, Listen, I will say this. I think people are going to be a little Super Bowled out Super Bowl week. God knows we are. So why not offer them some counter-programming? Right. Roger Goodell, if you're listening, we are doing many sustaining activities to enhance Super Bowl's talk value after the game. Don't worry. We are not we are we do not we do not believe people are Super Bowled out. Shut up, Gareth. No. There is there is only one sport. There is only one game. It is hey, all wait, consuming. Wait, guys, I think our power just went out. Like, he's in the building. Uh, guys, all right, I've well, just been killed. I'm actually yeah. dead. If you if you got someone you want to talk to. Like that rugby player. Yes. Email us at justnotsports at gmail.com or tweet he's us alive. at just not, Gareth. Tweet us at justnotsports. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with an interview with golfer Natalie Golbos, all about life on the road. Stay tuned. Oh, now look here, my boy. It's about to start. Fill it, my boy, with the sound of your heart. Make it go boom, Our guest today is Natalie Golbos. Natalie has been one of the most popular pro golfers throughout her career on the LPGA Tour, and also one of the best. She's earned nearly 40 top 10 finishes, including top 5 finishes in major championships like the Women's PGA Championship and the Women's U.S. Open. And what does a successful life as a professional golfer mean? It means having a life on the road. Adam and I spend a ton of time on the road, and Gareth is on the road somewhere right now, so he can relate too. So today we're going to talk to a professional golfer who lives in airplanes and in hotels about her adventures on the road. So Natalie, where in the world are you today? (laughs) Those are great questions. I came in this morning. I'm in Newport Beach, California, and I came in at 2 a.m., got to bed at 4 a.m. I was with my friend Morgan Pressel, who I planned tour with who had a charity event in Miami where I have to um, give her credit. She raised a million dollars. That's the largest single day I've ever heard of 
for an athlete. Like, and I've played in so many pro-ams with so many athletes. And for a female golfer to raise a million dollars in one day is just incredible. Amazing. And uh, that was in Miami. So I just got back from that. And travel is a huge part of my life. I never know where I've been, but I always know where I'm going. So I could tell you <laughs> everywhere that I'm traveling to in the next two months. But if you asked me, where, oh, what, do you, what have you been up to? Or where were you last week? I have no idea. I have to go back into my calendar and kind of check. But I've been on tour for 15 years and have traveled the world. The tour travels to 13 different countries. And in between that, we take lots of side trips because golf is an international sport. And there's just really cool opportunities to go and, and do things everywhere. And so I find myself, I do love to travel. Um, and it's, it's been great that golf has allowed me the opportunity to see the world and really to get me to meet people all over the world and see cultures all over the world. And, and golf is very special because it brings people together and um, has provided me the opportunity to really get to get to see everything. I'm the exact opposite. I can tell you where I've been all the time, but if, if I, I'll literally be in the airport and I'm that guy like rechecking, you know, which gate, like rechecking where I'm going. Am I going to the right hotel? Like, are, would you consider yourself, so I'm like a bad traveler. Are you a good traveler by now? Are you just like so efficient, like George Clooney up in the yeah. air? Yeah. What's the key so to being efficient. a good traveler? Yes. Very, very efficient. I, I have packing lists. I am very, very efficient. I'm an, like an excellent packer. I'm, I'm the most easygoing traveler. So when you travel as much as I do, and I get to travel with a lot of different people, because we travel different players on tour, or sometimes we're at events and so you see people in the airport. And when I get delayed, I it doesn't bother me. I miss connections all the time. I lose luggage. It just, all of that stuff happens. And I just try to worry about what I can control. But I do I do love to travel because I like to see new places. Like I just got asked to do an event in Vietnam, which is so cool. I've never been to Vietnam. I can't wait to go and see that. You know, our tour, we play in Singapore and Malaysia and in Scotland and in France. And we go to all these cool places. And there's so many cool places in the United States that I haven't been to that I love when I get the opportunities to go and, and play or see something and it's been really, really fun. Traveling is hard, though. I can't say it's all glamorous and it's not difficult. You're sick a lot. You're tired a lot. Um, time zones are definitely a yeah. challenge. I've waked up. I've woken up a lot of times at 1 a.m. and wanted a hamburger, and you know, <laughs> been craving breakfast foods at 6 p.m. That happens all the time. Asia to the back to the United States is the hardest I've ever experienced, and we do it twice a year. It's oh. just really, really hard. It takes a long time. But I, I just feel, I just try to look at how positive it is. There's many people that I, I interact with every day that have never left the state, never left the country, and I've gotten to see the world. So I feel very, very blessed and fortunate that I do get to travel. Natalie, when you're in an airport and there's a Popeye's chicken there, how do you not eat it? Because <laughs> I've not been able to figure that out Or yet. Sparrow. I eat a lot so of Sparrow. So I have cheat day on Sundays. And Sunday's usually a travel day when I'm out on tour. So I eat really well on Monday through Saturday, and I have the most boring diet, which it can travel well. As I usually have a protein shake for breakfast, and then I usually have a protein bar, and I try to find meat and vegetables for the other couple meals. And you can usually find that in most airports, and I bring, like, healthy snacks. But on Sundays, it's usually a day when I'm traveling, and I eat everything that is not good for me. And thankfully, the airports usually provide that for me. And I love McDonald's, and I love everything that you can possibly find that's not good at an airport. 
and it's on Sundays is my cheat day. And so if it's not a Sunday, I won't be at those places. But specifically Popeye's. <laughs> Adam, Adam loves Popeye's in the airport. <laughs> That's uh, your thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when the last time I've seen a Popeye's at the airport. So there must be one in Chicago that's right by the terminal you fly at that uh, you see all the time. Tampa. I fly in and out of Florida. A Tampa. In Tampa. To Tampa Florida? Popeye's. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. There's also a chili. Are, you, are you hungry right now? Did you not eat before the show? Uh, we we actually eaten. didn't because Joe, the producer, <laughs> yeah. didn't take care of shit like he said he was going yeah, to. Yeah, right. No, so, I mean, Natalie, I think you mentioned 13, <laughs> 13 different countries, right? I'm on the road at least three weeks of every single month, yeah. and I probably travel 49 weeks a year. What What country that you've been to would you say people – wouldn't think of as a great destination, but that you instantly fell in love with? Um, Iceland was really cool. I, lo- I, I got Singapore. engaged there. I love Singapore Iceland. Was. In Iceland, Iceland yeah. was really cool. Um, Singapore was is incredible. It's so clean and big and um, just easy to get around the big, you know, big international cities. Um Dubai was one of the crazy, most interesting places I've ever been. They had a ski resort inside the mall. The hotels were insane. Everything was so nice. Um, We flew on Emirates Airlines, which was just incredible. That was really cool. I think seeing everything, every place has an unusual, unusual aspect to it. And even when you go to different parts of the United States. Yeah. So, Natalie, I'm surprised to hear you list Singapore because didn't you get malaria there three years ago? Can you talk about that experience? No, not in Singapore. Oh. Not, not in Singapore, but in another country that I try to not lay blame on because it's I very see. common yeah, over there. I got it. And I, I, I did get it my first event of the year, and then but Singapore was like the, the next event after that. I see. So when I got over there. That's when I found out that I had it, and they put me in the hospital and took good care of me. And But over there, it just happens. Like, it's common over there, and you can catch things all the time. I've caught weird things all the time from countries all over the world. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, what's the worst thing you've caught? But you just told us you had malaria, so I think that probably takes the cake. I think that would probably – I think that probably takes the cake. <laughs> what's that? I mean, I, 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 I don't that, assume – That actually, though, looking back, was much easier than having an injury. Having back right. injuries and having back surgery and knowing that that was going to be something that was going to be an issue for my whole life and my whole career, like getting sick or get, catching something like that, you catch it and then you move on and, you know, I'm good now. What, um, you, we talk about like, you know, I think you mentioned being on the road is hard and we know that because Adam and I spent a lot of time on, uh, you know, traveling around for our clients and our work and I think people don't always when i talk to them about my road woes they don't take it seriously they're like oh must be really hard you're tired because your clients had like a late dinner in new york and then you had an early flight or something i have to imagine that has to be 10 times worse for you because your profession is 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 something that a lot of people do for leisure too in terms of golf but being a professional athlete is an enormous mental strain as well as physical and tap in all of the travel of a professional golfer and i'm just wondering do, do you have to watch how you talk about it because people just tell you to shut up or do they, do they get yes. it? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yes. And no. Yes. And no. If somebody has traveled and they travel for work, they absolutely understand it. Traveling is the hardest part of my job right. by far. 
absolutely the hardest part. But once you get to your destination and you're there for a week, it's incredible. It's fun. You know, there's things to do. Um, what you're talking about, the late night dinners and then a flight, that is really hard because usually when you have a dinner and you get back at 10, then you got to pack up your stuff. And when you travel now, if your flight's at 8, means you got to leave the hotel at 5 and, you know, try to get to the airport a couple hours early. And then you're lugging, like I lug one big 70-pound clothing bag and a 70-pound golf bag, and I could be on the road for months at a time. And throughout a lot of my career, I would stay out on the road for four or five months before I even come home. And, you know, it is hard because you are always by yourself, but you get to see the world. And that's what's really, really cool. And the hard parts are really the travel and the delays and the time it takes to get from one point to the next point. But for a lot of people, they look at travel as a vacation and vacations are fun and things happen, but it's a vacation. So if somebody's traveled, they definitely understand how hard it is but I find some of the hard parts of traveling is just how your body feels you wake up and you just don't always feel good that first day the next day on the plane um those those are the hardest parts I think Natalie you you said this is your 16th year on the LPGA tour yes um as your star has risen and you become more recognizable to the public has that changed your travel experience at all no i mean i should have a g5 by now you would think right to go to travel around <laughs> on a private jet well i, I mean like <laughs> so just in terms I still of like travel exactly the same and um oh as far as maybe maybe ask it ask it differently because the same way that i traveled actually as a rookie my dad and I drove to a lot of events because a lot of the LPGA events were just domestic. And that was right. really fun and really easy because we would just throw all our stuff in an SUV and just drive from event to event. And I thought that was really, really fun. But now we travel so much internationally that I'm on planes and in airports quite a bit. But yeah, I guess what I meant is. But uh, I think you had a different question yeah, that you were. Like, do you find that you want to get to the airport? earlier because you know that you might be stopped by a couple of fans um is has that changed in terms of your the interaction with the everyday traveler as you go from one place to the next not at all i think i'm very fortunate to be a golfer where if somebody's a golfer they're really cool and they come up and wish you good luck at the next tournament or and um it hasn't changed anything for me in the last the last few bits of years. The only time it really changes is if we go over to Asia and they want to take your picture when you get off the plane sure. and nobody looks good when they get off a plane. So you don't need to use a <laughs> pseudonym on the road when you're in a hotel. I don't what? You don't need to use a pseudonym when you're on the road at a hotel as some athletes do. I do. You do? Yes, I always do. Don't worry, we, yeah. won't, we won't ask you. I We're definitely always do. <laughs> yeah, let me let me tell you what it is. Yeah. You know, Have you used actually, the same one? Do, um, because a lot of times we're being unknown. Um, yeah, most of the time I think I probably do. But if we if we're going to Rogers, Arkansas, and we're playing the event, that's the place that and we're staying at the host hotel. That's where all the players are. And yes, we have had a couple issues. So yes, I definitely try try to do it. But I feel like that's that's not a huge huge issue and it's not too difficult and i probably started doing that my first year on tour you you mentioned how much you travel i guess there probably are things that i do naturally that i don't think are they're just kind of what i do right 
I mean, you, clearly going to places where you have annual events, um, whether they're tournaments or charitable functions that you um, attend multiple times, you're going back to a lot of the same cities, I'm sure, year on year. Do you try to venture out into new places each time, like just to, you know, for little day trips or to try even like restaurants? Or do you find yourself sort of falling back to your, hey, this is my favorite place? When I get a day off, which is not very, when I get a day off, absolutely every single time. In every single city, of course, I have a favorite restaurant or a favorite place that I've had the opportunity to go to, but I don't get a lot of days off. I'm usually, if I'm going to a tournament, I'm there to compete. I travel on Monday. I have a practice run on Tuesday. We have stuff that's specific for the event on Tuesdays. And then the pro-am is on Wednesday and then the tournament starts. So there definitely is not a lot of time, but if there is time, like we had this great event in the Bahamas, we still do actually it's first event of the season. It's at the Atlantis and we got rained out. And so all the players had like a free day, like a pool day. And we all went to the slides and we all went to the casino and you saw the players hanging out at the beach. And when we get those sort of special days, those memorable days when you can't, you have a full natural day off, we're just like high schoolers that got to go to the pool. (laughs) I love that. I, I don't know. I'm someone who finds myself when I get time, I might go down to like the hotel bar and might like retreat to my room, but I, I don't venture out nearly enough. Recently I was in New York and I kind of walked over to ground zero and just kind of walked around. But, um, do do you ever have to drag yourself out? That's what I would do if I was in New York, I would absolutely do that. Like I would go to ground zero if I'm staying in Philadelphia, like I would go and and see things, you know, based on which city you are. Yes. Because you don't know if you're going to get a chance to go there. If I'm going to China, I want to try to see if I can see the great wall. Right. If you're going to go to these places, you should make like, I, I don't know if I'm going to get back to those places. I want an opportunity to, if we get time to go and do that stuff. And a lot of us do. And, because we're there with the event, they do a wonderful job of providing us that opportunity. Like when we go to Thailand or excuse me, when we go to Singapore, we can zip line and they set up like all these fun events for us to do. Or when we're at the Atlantis, we can swim with dolphins and the events usually provide like some cool activity. So if you do get a day off, you get to go and, and do that. Um, and you'd find that most of the players, if, if you have the time, you go and do something, but we don't have a lot of time. You don't have as much time as you as you think you do because we're working 10, 12 hours a day and then you're exhausted and you just get room service. (laughs) And that's one of the great things about traveling is getting room service and doing nothing at the end of the day. That and probably somebody else making your bed every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I used to always want, like there are a lot of nights if I don't have, I'll be working a lot in the hotel. So if there's nothing on TV, I I always look and I'm like, Oh, I should rent like the Martian or something. But then I worry that it's going to show up as like unnamed movie on my bill. And people are just going to assume I'm doing something really naughty. (laughs) Who's looking at that? Yeah. You've got to, you got to bring, bring your computer. I have, I have noticed though, since the iTunes came out, I watched so many shows. My first couple of years, I used to read books and then, you know, we got a DVD player and now with computers and iTunes, all I do is watch shows. Hey, Nat- I can't wait to get on the plane to watch the shows and to catch up on a series or to watch a movie. And that has made travel really fun. Because before you were just at the luxury of whatever they might be playing. And now, like on my last Delta flight, there was like 100 choices of movies. It was fantastic. Natalie, may I make a suggestion? Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, you're going to tell me like Netflix. Uh, I'm going to tell you podcasts are a pretty good thing oh, to do yeah. while you're traveling shameless uh, <laughs> i listen to a lot of podcasts 
What's your? I listen to a lot of podcasts. You mentioned you mentioned catching up on shows. Like, what's what's a piece of entertainment that you are just that you either discovered on the road or or that you just have to tap into? That what do like I like a show? Yeah. What, what's what a, do I do? Like, yeah, or just what's a show that you've gone really deep into that you're like, oh, this is this is perfect for that long flight to Singapore, like twelve episodes of this or whatever. Oh my gosh, I don't know how much time you have, but I listen to shows like Backup, like Scandal and oh, yeah, Twenty Four, and yeah. I, I I wait till the shows are like four and five down, so that when I mean I have a hundred and eight shows on my queue. Yeah, like we eight and all the players, we all watch all the hundred and eight different shows, like in different series. Like now that I'm in front of my computer, Blacklist, Blind Spot. Entourage, Modern Family, Graceland is really good. This is like so looking into my DVR. Like, my wife has all this. Like, yeah, and then I have plenty of the other chick ones that I try not to guilt, guiltly admit to that are on there. Oh, but Natalie. You know that they are. I, and I, then, <laughs> I watch Vanderpump Rules and Real Housewives. You're not going to offend me with, the, with yep, that. I watch Stop Real Housewives. Oh, yeah. I love the Real Housewives. I definitely watch that. But I listen to – so what I usually do, I have like a routine. So I get to the – Let's say I'm leaving the house. I get to the airport. I always listen to a podcast or a book on tape. Always. Because when I'm going through the airport, that's an hour of education. Unless oh, yeah. I have like a scheduled phone call, I'm not the walk and texter. Like I have headphones on. I listen to a podcast. I listen to a book on tape. Then I get on the plane. And as soon as they'll let me, like I watch shows. Um, now with internet, I do emails if, if the flight, like if the internet's not uncomfortably slow. Right. And then when I get off the plane, you know, there's another 20 minutes. So I listen to a book on tape or a podcast. And then, you know, I usually get to the hotel and end up watching another show. So I watch, like, there's a lot of entertainment in my life. And I also, I practice by myself. So for two, three hours a day, I have headphones in. Where I'm usually listening to something. I spend a lot of time. I think that's one thing that's surprising about my life. I spend a lot of time by myself. You know, if I'm practicing with Butch, I do have his attention for maybe an hour a day. But a lot of times I practice by myself for three, four hours and then I go for a run for an hour and I'm traveling. I travel by myself. So I spend a lot of time just kind of entertaining myself with what's on one of my devices. Well, now you're not alone because you're going to have me and Adam in your ear listening to this podcast next time you're at the putting green. I probably won't listen to my own podcast, but I have listened (laughs) to a couple of your other podcasts. Oh, good. Oh, good. Very good. In the last little bit. So keep entertaining me. (laughs) We will. You bet. Uh, Natalie, just wanted to touch on your charitable efforts a little bit. You started the Natalie Golbus Clubhouse last year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, it's the greatest accomplishment I've had in 15 years. I opened up my own Boys and Girls Club in Nevada and it services 200 kids. And when I'm home, it's the first place that I go. I love spending time there and doing anything with those kids, whether it's you know playing pool or we go out and play baseball or I get to take them to the driving range or help them with their homework. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the Boys and Girls Club. They are an incredible organization that really – works to improve the lives of, of kids and really give them a safe place to go by the time they get home from school until, you know, the parents come home. And so that has been really special. And I now have three tournaments a year, charity golf events that I use to raise money and, and raise awareness for the kids clubs. And a lot of the times on the road, if there's a boys and girls club event, or if there's a kids club that's close, that's one of my favorite things to do on the road. 
road is to go out into the community and to, to find a club or to bring those kids out to the golf course. I mean, that's fantastic. I, I know we live in an era when you hear about athletes who'd say, I've got my foundation, or I've got this, and really what they have is like a, a fakey, like, you know, poker tournament they run. It's clear you, you've committed yourself. This is an amazing cause, and we love hearing about, we love it when athletes do, you know, really great charity work and then also engage with it. So to hear you talk about going over there and engaging with the kids and inspiring them is, is, is really fantastic. It, they they inspire me. It's the coolest thing I get to do. Like you can take any cool experience event, going to Super Bowls or I've thrown out first pitches at games, and but you have kids that are excited to show you that they got a good grade or that they, you know, just threw their first touchdown pass in their 12 year old game. Like that is the coolest thing that you gave them a chance to enjoy. Like it's going to change their life and the impact that they've had on me is it far surpasses anything that I could do to help them. The hardest part is that I, the best way that I can help them is by continuing to play and continuing to raise money and awareness and giving them a facility and a place to go. They, they don't want me to just hang out with them all day, <laughs> but it is uh, <laughs> it really is. It's the coolest thing we get to do. And I too love, you know, athletes have a huge stage and a huge ability to be able to raise so much money and so much awareness, which most athletes do, and really use that gift to be able to do that. And if they don't do it right in the prime of when they're playing, you don't you usually see that a couple of years after they get hooked and they realize, oh my gosh, I was meant for more than just to play basketball or just to, you know, play football. I really now can make a difference and I can, this is part of my legacy. And it's really, really cool when athletes do give back and give time. And, and we certainly get the opportunity to because you get asked. And you get asked not only with the Boys and Girls Club, but I love, like, I loved going and helping Morgan with the breast cancer awareness. It is so cool that because of the game of golf, I can go and as a golfer, because I practiced as a kid and played golf for a living, that I can go and, and help save lives and help raise money and awareness for causes and, and do things that, all over the world. Like I don't just get to do this in the United States. All of us do. And it's pretty special and it's not talked about enough. So I appreciate you bringing it up because it's not always the, the most interesting thing to talk about, but the most important thing by far. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Absolutely. Uh, Natalie, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Natalie is joining us today on behalf of victory V I K T-R-E. It's a private social network for athletes co- to connect and collaborate. It's a public network for athletes to engage with fans and followers. And it's a 24-7 streaming page filled with compelling content about the world of the athlete, both in and outside the world of sport. This, of course, being the outside. So you'll be able to find this podcast up on Victory and uh couple weeks yeah um and fans and i think we're gonna see a lot of cool stuff here in the next little bit with with victory i social media is obviously huge now but people that love sports they really love sports and they want more and they can't get enough and they and this is going to be a way to really to to open up our worlds and for people to get to see more and more and more because you're still even limited with Twitter and with, you know, one post or one or two posts a day with Instagram, but just to get a lot more personal content and a lot more engagement is going to be really cool. So yeah. it's I mean, fun we, for me to be part of it. And 
Adam and I work in media and social media, so we know people want access and engagement. So that's it's uh, it's really great. And like you said, we uh, we expect big things to come. Fans can sign up at victory.com, V-I-K-T-R-E.com. Athletes sign up at go.victory.com. Thanks again for joining us, Natalie. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me on, and I hope to see you next time. Next time I come around Chicago. That'd be great. We will or be in here. an airport somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We'll see you today. <laughs> see you at Popeye's. <laughs> see you at Popeye's. <laughs> Go, yeah, that's where you guys are going. <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank guys. you. Bye. Bye. In the mid-'80s, an NFL team stormed through the season with an 18-1 record en route to a Super Bowl championship. They even commemorated their title with a song. That team was the 1984 San Francisco 49ers, and that song was called We're the 49ers, and no one freaking remembers it. And the reason is because the very next season, another 18-1 team came along and created the most iconic sports anthem in team sports history. That, of course, was the 1985 Chicago Bears. That song was the Super Bowl Shuffle, and it was a rap that cemented the team's status as one of the most colorful sports groups in all the years we've been watching sports. So 30 years later, we got to ask, Adam, will any team make a song better than Super Bowl Shuffle. Better or more memorable? You tell me. Uh, no. I think that's what's so fun about this song. And uh, this sounds like I'm being nostalgic and getting old, but what was more fun about sports then than now? Not to say that athletes don't have any fun, but I don't know that you would find the team... Um doing a rap like this and making fun of themselves in the same way as you did this team. And I think sometimes athletes forget that they are entertainers. Um, sports is a form of entertainment. Uh, and I think that's what makes this song so classic and all the copycats that were spawned from it. I don't know that anything can ever live up to the Super Bowl shuffle. I don't know, Gareth, where do you fall on this? I actually think that was a very good point. Uh, to I mean, just the work I've been doing recently is reminding me a lot of that. I interviewed Bud Grant uh, for this Super Bowl, and he spoke very honestly about that. Just, you know, sports is entertainment, and that's what we do. And so I think, Adam, I think you making that is actually an important point not to make our really hardcore dissection of the Super Bowl shuffle an important conversation but there you go uh i uh, also can i think... can i make that a not important conversation because the reason this is the greatest rap song in history for team sports is because there aren't just there isn't just one sax solo there's like three sax solos <laughs> this song is six minutes and 58 seconds long it is also just as a like fun fact one of the most the biggest minefields in all of sports because the people who made it have so closely guarded the rights to it to the point where the players have even gone so far as to sue the rights holders. And anybody who has worked in sports media for longer than five minutes gets the edict that you are not allowed to air the Super Bowl shuffle without clearing it because those people have lawyers and they like to sue you. So 
Well, with that, Joe, uh, we got a clip from the song. Go ahead and boot that up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> we'd like to. Uh, our Listen, non-existent disclaimer that this is Joe. <laughs> this is Joe Reed's choice, yeah, and only Joe that. Reed's choice. Any legal correspondence <laughs> should be sent to Joe Reed. Let me break down some stats for you on Super Bowl Shuffle here. So, first things first, because we're going to talk a lot about just how goofy it is. Um, I think people associate it with the '85 Bears being this cocky, like juggernaut of a team. This was, song was created for charity, so there's nothing wrong happening here. It was made to benefit um, local Chicago charities um, that, that dealt with you know, you know getting people out of poverty. So kudos to everyone involved. The success of the single is pretty staggering when you think about it. It peaked at number 41 on the Billboard Hot 100, meaning it was one position away from Casey Kasem having to talk about that on a Sunday morning and introduce our top 40 hit, the Chicago Bears. And then tell a story about Could you imagine if this song dying. had... Right. Could you imagine if this song had become a request and dedication on the Casey Kasem <laughs> Top 40 countdown? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I can, and I think we should recreate that skit at some point. All right, I'll do it right now. You ready? Yes, please. Welcome back. It's Casey Kasem. I just wanted to read a special shout-out to uh, Gloria in Wisconsin. Let's go to it. I was enjoying where you were going there. It was like watching someone drive a truck on a train track straight <laughs> Gloria, into Gloria, right this it. is your request yeah. and dedication. We uh, are the Bears. <laughs> Shut the crew. crew. Uh, this song also nominated uh, for a Grammy. Nominated for a Grammy. Who did it lose to? You know, I don't know. Prince. Oh, well, of course. Everyone's <laughs> What was it nominated for? Everything should lose. It was nominated for Best Rhythm and Blues Song by a group. It's before there was a hip hop specific. Yeah, here it is. Uh song was nominated for a Grammy Award in nineteen eighty five for best rhythm and blues performance by a duo or group. Yeah. Well the best part was it's Prince of the New Revolution beat him out with the song Kiss. But when I saw it I was like, I can't believe the band Kiss was nominated in R and B. The Grammys suck. That's all I could think of. I was wrong. Uh and also the song is based on an old Amos and Andy radio show sketch called the Kingfish Shuffle. Sounds like it was kind of written one day, but we don't really care what they say. It's really just about the athletes and the performance. So the irony of them losing to Prince though, uh, Prince wrote a song for the Vikings. He did write a song Purple for the Vikings. And Gold. Yeah. That was some you could say was uh inspired by the Super Bowl Shuffle. To some extent, or inspired against it, division rivals, Adam, division rivals, and neither team <laughs> which I care for. Who's the best performer on the song of all the players? And there's a lot. There's Jim McMahon. There's Richard Dent, Mike Singletary. A lot of the old '85 Bears are here. Who do you think is the best rapping performance, and why? Gareth, what do you think? Uh, you know what? My favorite member of the '85 Bears isn't the best member of the '85 Bears, but it is. Jim McMahon simply for wearing the Roselle uh, headband, so I'm gonna go with him. But he he's not doing it on the video though. Who's the best on the song? I gotta go with Mike Singletary. Singletary? I I like Singletary. Dude, it's Willie Gall. He's the best rapper by far. He sounds like he fell out of the Sugar Hill Gang, dude. He sounds pro. Interesting. Fast Willie. In the '80s, pro, but yeah, okay, the, yeah, the I best, can see what you're saying. The best performance for all that it is, and we're going to unpack this right now, backup quarterback Steve Fuller. An amazing <laughs> accomplishment in a rap. Here's the thing about Steve. He's got like a southern twang. He, pl- he played at uh, Clemson. 
He's got this kind of southern twang. And while he's rapping, he lets himself kind of like, he lets his voice crack. And so he's like, if Jimmy can't do it, I sure can. And you're like, yes, this guy is into it. He's loving it. He's looking over his shoulder. I can't tell if he's looking for like, is this guy, is this right? Or is he just like, think somebody's going to tackle him? I love it. I, I know I'm sounding like I'm ripping him. I think Steve Fuller, the performance he gives, is part of the reason it makes it so iconic because this is clearly an era when athletes were, some athletes were still discovering rap and what it was. And so it's not like he's trying, he's not trying to sound like what he thinks a rap song should sound like. He, it, He's just talking into a microphone. Well, I mean, at that point, it was like, hey, we need you to sound like a white rapper, to which he said, it's 1985, a what? A what? Yeah, <laughs> the girl from Blondie. <laughs> like, that's about as close as they got. I don't know, man, but there, there's other iconic performances. I mean, Jim McMahon, he's wearing the sunglasses. I think he was superimposed. Jim McMahon have- uses the word punky. I mean, this is also in the Punky I'm Brewster punk- era. I mean, come right. on, that counts for yeah, that counts for something. He looks like Max Hedrum in the video. He absolutely looks like Max Hedrum. How how much involvement did the players have in penning their own lyrics or not? That Zero. is a hundred percent a question I had too. Yes, <laughs> Zero. who's the lyricist of the group? I'm pretty sure they wrote it for everybody. They might have done some tweaks. There might have been a couple of guys. I think they came in and learned their part. Get Def Jeff on the horn. He has to know this. We should talk to Jeff Jeff about I, this. I, I also do this. like that Richard Dent manages to work Get Bent into his his verse. So that's, yeah. that's really important work right there. Well, Richard Dent also comes the closest to uttering any sort of profanity because he's about to say ass, and then you get this, like, like ref whistle that cuts him off with the cutaway to, a, like, a female ref blowing it. It's amazing. I mean, I th- no comment. It is amazing. You know what? Hey, Sparkle Ponies listeners, if you're out there, we have a confession. Adam is actually Richard Dent. <laughs> Richard, give it up, man. Just talk. Oh shit! You know, uh, <laughs> this is this, uh, this is the only way I could get back in the public eye to do yeah. this podcast. You could, so here I am. You could have. You could have easily, Adam. You could have easily been in this video. Like your voice, do you like mean? in the background. Oh yeah. I mean, like just you. You. You have that deep sort of athletic voice i could totally see you being like my name's adam i (laughs) my name's adam i lay tackles i build up a wall and i use extra spackles man uh do you mean to free should i freeze you should have stuck with casey Kasem. this shit that shit was terrible (laughs) (laughs) come on Uh, if he had been on that team he would have been known as dubs that I would have been yeah. Dubs, yeah. Which Brad originally named me. I've I finally have I've almost shed the moniker. Until now, I never said it to you on the air, but now it, floodgates are open, Dubs. Um, no, another performance. He's still Adam, perform- but his 1985 Bears name is Dubs. Yeah, <laughs> right. I I have a feeling a remix of this video will be coming at some point from Just Not Sports. Another performance I really want to flag: Maury Buford, the punter. He's the guy wearing a hat and sunglasses and really, really laid into the cowbell. And when you watch it, it, it kind of only cuts to him a couple times. But now in a post-Will Ferrell world, like you just have to think about that SNL sketch. But back then, I mean, he's just <laughs> having a good time, man. Yeah, I'd be a star. The yeah. But that's what I love about the video. It's not just like three stars doing it. It's like the punter's in it. Steve Fuller's got a whole verse. 
And the fridge. I mean, the fridge is probably the guy who stands out the most because my name's the fridge. I'm the rookie. I might be big, but I'm no dumb cookie. It's probably the most memorable line, right? Yes. Well, this is. Except yeah, I, I didn't mean, know it. Look, this I do love yes. one. One thing I love about this: it's seven minutes long. It is just a classic rap posse track. You know, like any other hip hop song, where it was like, "Get everybody in the studio." They're all gonna rap on it, and it's gonna be eight minutes long. And God, there's some so many good posse cuts out there. This is just one of them. This deserves to be in the all-time pantheon of rap posse cuts. The, the Real quick, Elephant in the Room, Ditka. I know, I don't think he was asked to do it, but like, imagine that moment in the video when they cut to Ditka and he raps. We, we were deprived of it as a generation of, of, of fans of athletic rap. It's never too late. It, He'll do anything for money. <laughs> it is worth noting, Brad, going back to your point about the fridge, he did do a collab with the Fat Boys a year later. Oh. Really? The fridge did a Fat Boys Yes, call-up? he did. Uh, this is from the Ego Trip Book of Rap Lists, which if you give a shit about anything rap, I can't recommend it highly enough. But, quote, number eight from their list on uh, athlete rappers in the sports section uh, at quote, after his participation in the landmark rap meets sports single, the 1985 Bears Super Bowl shuffle, overweight defensive end William Perry made headlines a year later via his collaboration with the Fat Boys, Chillin' with the Refrigerator. It was not fat. So, oh, wow. I miss the fridge. He was such a, a he was such an icon growing up. Do you guys remember the William Refrigerator Perry limited edition GI Joe? Yes. It was so hard He's to get his your hands on. Sleeves cut off. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, it's in my work bag right now. Seriously? No. Um, oh. But it should be. Mm. I, this this spawned a thousand imitations. It wasn't the first. I mentioned the 49ers had a song before it, but it was really more of a of a like a a pop anthem where guys were just singing in the chorus. This is like sort of cult of personality. Everyone taking the mic, rap becoming the standard. I wanna I'm gonna read you guys a few. We're going to do something I call the imitation game. Super Bowl Shuffle launched a ton of imitators. I'm going to read you a few of them. You tell me if they were real or they were fake. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. The 1985 Seattle Seahawks, so same season. Hawking a boogie. (laughs) (laughs) Hawking a boogie? Hawking a boogie. I thought, I remember them doing a song. Is this a trick question? Because I remember them doing a song, but I don't remember that being the name. Well, then go false or true. Pick it. I'm going to say false. Gareth? Uh, I mean, it's true. It, it totally happened. It, it's fake. Jesus. It's oh, false. Oh, really? It's fake. It's the blue wave is on a roll. Uh, the team you. finished 8-8 eight and eight and missed the playoffs. <laughs> They're not on a roll, unfortunately. How can a boogie? Did you make that up? <laughs> yes. Why did you lead with that? All that Casey uh, Kasem bullshit. How about this? In 1986, LA Rams. Let's ram it. Oh, uh, I'm saying yes, yes to all. <laughs> Let's ram it. Uh, uh, false. Totally real. It's totally that is a really? real thing that happened in the world. Eric Dickerson, um, the whole nine. Yeah. How about this? 1986 New York Giants, led by Lawrence Taylor, walk like a giant. 
based on Walk Like an Egyptian. That is true. <laughs> that is true. That, is, that is absolutely false. The Giants did do one of these. Lawrence Taylor was not in it when I worked on the Lawrence Taylor documentary. There is some bad Giants video from that team, but that's not it. But Lawrence that Taylor's is not it. in it? He's not in it, but it's Walk Like but an it Egyptian. Is walk like it an is Walk Like an Egyptian. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I yeah. was just yeah off there. How about 1992 Eagles? Smells like team, <laughs> team spirit. Not teen spirit, team spirit. I'm going with. Uh, I said yes to all. It also like the taste level on these is so low. It all sounds believable. Uh, yeah, I don't want to believe it's true, so I'm going to go false. It's false. Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine Golik singing? Yes. Nirvana. Yes. Um, Mike Golik will also do anything for money. All right, two more, real quick. Ninety-six Packers. <laughs> His brother Bob was on the set of Saved by the Bell, the new class. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right. 1996 Packers. Did they do a version? Of Macarena called Pacarena. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did. Even worse, that you and I pro- you probably didn't find this. Wide receiver Robert Brooks <laughs> did a song that was a tribute to the Lambo Leap called Jump in the Stands. Jump in the Stands. <laughs> Check that out on iTunes when you it give us It was like rating. Domino meets Warren G meets. <laughs> Northeast Wisconsin cheeseheads, yeah, <laughs> jumping into a three hundred pound dude in the front row, uh, no shirt. Uh, finally, nineteen ninety one Jack, nineteen ninety nine Jacksonville Jaguars. Did they release a song about going to the Super Bowl called "Uh Oh"? <laughs> called- uh, they did not go to the Super Bowl, so I'll say no to that. <laughs> It's true. It's they true. released a song called "Uh-oh, We're Going to the Super Bowl," and then they lost to the they lost to the um, Tennessee Titans at home in the AFC title game. And the Sports Illustrated headline was "Uh-oh." <laughs> oh. All right. Oh. All right. Well, we'll post a Super Bowl shuffle and all of it, and maybe some of these imitators on the website, JustNotSports.com. Check it out. All right. Well, that's the show for this week. That's our. Super Bowl week. We're all exhausted. We've got a lot more to do. Lots of late nights heading into the game. We just want to thank all of you, the listeners, the Sparkle Ponies, and the words of Chris Cluey. Subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at JustNotSports. Email us tips, thoughts, or topics. I'm going to give a quick shout-out to our guest today, Natalie Golbus, professional golfer, world traveler. Also going to give a shout-out to Joe Reed. And I'm going to give a shout-out to Lawrence Taylor, who is back in the studio recording the sequel to Walk Like an Egyptian or Walk Like a Giant. Gareth, any final shout-outs? You know, that's actually believable. He might just be arriving to the studio for the 1986 recording of his (laughs) verse of Walk Like a Giant. So uh, shout-out to everyone who worked so hard around Super Bowl time, whether you won a ring or just survived and now get to remember what your family looks like. Adam, any shout-outs? Uh, shout out to all my coworkers who sacrificed uh, their family lives for the Super Bowl, and uh, I got to shout out a few friends. Uh, my boy Uzi, mm-hmm. Def Jeff, yep, Little Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and uh, my other cousin Ron. Uh, the cousin Ron, respect to all those guys. Love those guys. And hey, booty rappers, stay booty. In the words of Shaq, stay booty. Stay booty. Jump in the stands. <laughs> Super Bowl halftime show next year. Roger, listen. <laughs> <laughs>